You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Mondays, huh? They really can suck, especially if you sit in the cubicle that slowly shrinks on you as the week goes on. Hopefully everybody enjoyed time with their friends and family this weekend, and uh, hopefully this podcast is a silver lining to your thunderstorm of a Monday. Um, Today we have a really cool podcast with a gentleman named Matt Smith, and uh, Matt is going to do a product review podcast on some scent blocker, some wild game innovations, trail cameras, some has more tree stand seats, I believe that's what it is, and some big game tree stands, uh, and a little bit about how he uses his big game tree stands. Um, yeah, pretty cut and dry podcast today. Lots of cool uh, information from Matt and how he uses them, how he thinks about, uh, I guess, his overall review on these uh on these products so it's monday i uh i don't even know what to say (laughs) but i hope hopefully this uh podcast puts a smile on your face gets you motivated for the rest of the week enough energy to ride it out until uh next weekend but before we get into today's podcast let's hear from exodus trail cameras about the importance of SD cards and the right type of batteries? Good question. So we talk a lot about this, but, uh, you know, memory cards and batteries are something that I think are holding a lot of cameras back. And I'd hate to say it, but I think a lot of people that have a bad experience with hundred dollar or so cameras may have had a bad experience with their batteries. Um, cards, maybe not so important. There was a time of day when cards would give people fits in different cameras. Um, I think most cameras on the market today are smart enough that they can recognize different cards. We recommend a class four or six card. Um, if you're running HD video or just photos, um, that should suffice for most cameras on the market, but batteries are where things can really get out of control. I actually just wrote a big blog post on this. Maybe we can include in the show notes, but What happens is alkaline batteries are just not made well with trail cameras. They're not made to work well with trail cameras. As they die, their voltage goes down, and that causes trail cameras to have problems. It causes your flash to have problems, your flash distance, your trigger speed, your trigger distance. All of these things are affected by alkaline batteries as they start to die. And most people think that's towards the end of their life cycle, but it actually starts about a quarter of the way into the life cycle of alkaline batteries. Um, Lithium batteries all the way. We talk about that a lot. Lithium batteries will get you the most, not only out of your Exodus lift cams, but all of your trail cameras that you have on the market. If you guys want to find out more information about Exodus trail cameras, be sure to visit ExodusOutdoorGear.com. 
And uh, if you do decide to purchase one of their trail cameras, and I strongly suggest you do, especially if you're in the market for one, use the code nine fingers. That's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and you will be able to save $20 off of your purchase. Now, let's get into today's product review podcast with Matt Smith. Matt Smith, how are we doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Man, I can't complain. My kids are in bed, my wife's in bed, and now I got a little man time. <laughs> so I'm Nothing I'm using my man I'm using my man time with you tonight. I appreciate that. I, I thank you right. for your time. <laughs> I consider myself special. I, I cracked open a cold beer just for you. So hey, check this out. I'm actually drinking a coffee right now, if that if that tells you anything. <laughs> Was it that kind of day at the office for you? Well, it's just I'm usually up late. You know, doing this, uh, you know, doing a podcast and edit or something like that. And I always like for some reason now, coffee calms me down. I don't know why. It's not supposed to, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever, whatever it takes, man. That's right. So, Matt, where are you from? What do you do for a living? I am from Knoxville, Tennessee, and I am an accountant. Okay. Okay. So, are you boring? Uh, I guess it depends on who you ask. If you ask my 11-year-old <laughs> daughter, the answer is yes. <laughs> I had to. I got a couple yeah. I got a couple buddies who I, every time you think of you know an accountant you're like, "Oh god, they're boring. They're good, you know, they're they're good with numbers, but they're boring people." I tell you what. I I partied some of my hardest parties I've ever went on was with this guy who is now an accountant. And if you look, if you would have looked at him 10, 15 years ago and said, you know, what is this guy going to do? when he grows up, you would have never said accountant. So, Hey, he's now an accountant. So maybe you're just like, maybe you're a a closet party animal. Well, I'll, I'll I'll say two comments on that. (laughs) I have a kegerator in my garage. Bingo. And uh, my, my second comment is no comment. So, Use your imagination from there, I guess. Hey, we got kids, right? So we have to. Yeah, keep we do it, have kids. We have, we got to keep it calm, and you know, you never want to let those stories get out to your kids when they go through, you know, middle school and high school and stuff like that. Because once they found out, find out that I was some wild animal back in the day, they'll probably try to use that against me and say, "Well, you did it." <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll say right now, I've got an 11-year-old that I'm paying for my sins currently, and I oh, think it's boy. only started. So. Is, she, is it a girl <laughs> or a boy? It's a girl. She's oh, a girl. Boy. I tell you what, I might have she's to, my, might she's have to my do my partner, though. So. Well, that's good. We might have to have another podcast where we talk about raising daughters, and you, maybe you can fill me in on what it's like to, you know, a preteen, uh, a preteen woman. Someone who's oh, 11 man. but we, acts like they're 30. Yeah, we could uh, we could probably fill up two or three podcasts with that information. <laughs> All right, man. Well, today is a product review podcast, and we are going to cover uh, three for sure and four if we have time. Different products. And um, you, when you reached out to me, you gave me a list of uh, products: some good reviews, some bad reviews, and I think we'll just start off. Uh, with the first product that you uh, that you uh, messaged me about, and uh, that is scent blocker. Uh, 
So what do you have from Scentblocker, first of all? I have the Matrix Suit by Scentblocker. Okay. And is that is that a new product or is that a fairly old product? Uh, I'm not familiar, to be honest with you, with Scent. I know the company Scentblocker. I kind of know what you know what their branding and marketing does and their product does but i'm not familiar i've never used scent blocker before so fill me in on i guess first of all why you decided to choose um, a scent blocker suit uh the reason i chose the scent blocker suit is because right after um all that stuff happened with the company who will remain nameless they actually had a 50 all right, uh, the low lights at Under Armour. Right. Whenever they uh, did that stuff, um, I can't even remember the hunter's names now, but whenever they dropped their sponsorships, Scentblocker actually did something that's probably a pretty smart marketing technique, and they, they put all their suits on sale for 50% off. Right. So listening to you and Mark, I you know was kind of playing around with the idea of throwing away my Walmart camo and uh, actually getting a, a layering system. I just didn't want to drop the money on it because I'm cheap. Yeah. And uh, you know, they put I could get pants and a jacket, like high quality stuff, for two hundred bucks. Um, I decided to go ahead and spend some birthday money on that. So that's what I did. Okay. So you saved a, a pretty big chunk of money with this whole charade that uh, unfolded, and and I guess Scent Blocker stepping up and saying, "Okay, well, hey, we want your business." Yep exactly right I, I saved right at 200 dollars. so basically it's 200 bucks for the jacket 200 bucks for the pants and uh i got the whole deal for 200 bucks okay so. now for those people out there who maybe are like me and just don't know anything about scent blocker what what is it about scent blocker that you know what does scent blocker do what's the science or the technology behind the the apparel you know, I think their claim is that they have the carbon technology. You know, they supposedly infuse carbon into the material somehow, and that's supposed to block the scent coming off of your body and keep it from getting in the air around you and the deer can't smell you and yada, yada, yada. You know, them along with uh, Scent Lock, I believe, actually have the same claims, and I think they both have faced lawsuits about it. Right. That's that's not really what persuaded me to buy the product, though. Okay. What, what what persuaded me to buy the product was the fact that it was, you know, higher quality, more comfortable, and really more functional for a hunter, particularly hunting the type of ground that I hunt and the style that I hunt. Uh, and I wanted to try and kind of put together my own layering system instead of going in with like eight shirts and two jackets every time I went to hunt. Right. So. Okay. So then, um, it was just uh, like a. Uh, is it a base layer that you purchased or was it uh, uh, a insulation layer or is it a, just like a, a jacket and pants that uh, you put over top of everything? Yeah, it's the, it's their outer layer. So it's the jacket and pants. Okay. Uh, both of them are fleece lined. Uh, both of them are water resistant and uh, they're, they're also, uh, they have what they call windbreaker technology in them. Okay. It, it cuts the wind and repels water. Right. Right. So, you, first off, you saved money right off the bat purchasing the products. Um, was that the reason you? I mean, was that the reason you sealed the deal with this pro, this product, um, or were you looking at other garments before you decided to go with uh, Scent Blocker? 
I was looking at other garments before I decided to go with them. Um, obviously, uh, Sitka. I was mm-hmm. looking at uh, Kuyu, Nomad, uh, Cryptek, you know, kind of all right. the, the bigger brands, particularly the direct-to-consumer brands, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was just, I mean, it looked like I was going to have to drop a lot of money to really be able to get something high quality. And I was kind of really trying to talk myself into that. And um, I was actually scrolling through Facebook and saw the advertisement, went on the website, they had it, you know, did a bunch of research on it. And it seemed like, you know, it was pretty good stuff. So I went ahead and pulled the trigger. Okay. So when you got it in the package, you know, you got the package, you ordered it, you got it. Um, As you're pulling it out of the box, first impressions. Uh, first impressions is high quality. Um, it, you know, um, looked good. It's still that real tree, um, camo pattern, okay. which, you know, I'm not, I'm not too keen on. I don't necessarily, I, I think you more have to break up your profile than try to look like the leaves and stuff around you. I think you guys have kind of talked about that a lot on your shows, but looked good. Um, did not have a smell to it at all. Even though it, it didn't have a smell, I still, and washed it in uh, the scent-free detergent and left it outside for probably three or four weeks before I actually threw it in a scent-free bag and took it hunting. Okay. So you took it hunting. Um, how did it, I mean, how did it wear? Was it comfortable to wear? Was it uh, a good fit? You know, so when you're climbing up and down a, a tree stand, um you know, it, it's, you're mobile in it. You're not feeling tight in certain spots. Uh, how, how does it, how's the fit and feel? Well, I'll say I'm 5'11", 210 pounds and okay. ordered the size large and, uh, it fits great. Uh, it's okay. by far the most comfortable hunting clothing that I have or I've ever worn. Okay. Um, I wouldn't consider myself to be a fat guy, but I'm not thin either. You know what gotcha. I mean? And, uh, I wore, I made the mistake of wearing it opening day. And I hunted the evening, and uh, I was sweating my butt off uh, by the time I even got to the tree stand. You know, so it's definitely something you'd want to wear in in cooler weather, not necessarily on opening day. Right. Okay. Um, so when when you started wearing it, um, d- did you instantly like it? And then the weather started cooling down. Did you like it more? Um, how much clothing did you have to wear? You know, I'm not familiar with how cold it gets in Tennessee, but uh, when I, uh, let's see, when I was uh, down in, living down in Alabama, I think the, the coldest it ever got was like 35 degrees for that year when I was down there. Right. Um, how cold does it get in Tennessee? And when it did get the coldest that it got, I mean, were, were you happy with the way it performed? Uh, yeah, so... I hunt uh, in a lot of the mountains around here on public right. land and uh, in a draw hunt on some of the wild uh, wildlife management areas. And more than one time, I, you know, getting out of my truck, the, the temperature read, you know, 17 to 20 degrees outside. Gotcha. And with a um, merino wool base layer, just like a regular shirt okay. and the jacket. Uh, and then for my bottom layers, I just had some like long johns and those pants. I was perfectly fine. I actually, uh, I actually would sweat walking to the stand. So typically what I would do even, you know, 17 to 20 degrees, just wear my merino wool 
uh, on the hike into the where my, I was going to hunt, yep. and then just add the layers once I got up in the tree. Right. But I mean, wind could be whipping pretty good. Uh, the stuff broke the wind really well. I actually had more, you know, trouble keeping my feet and my hands warm than I did keeping my body warm. Right. Okay. So as you, so it, it sounds like it was a good fit feel. It functioned like you wanted to in the colder temperatures. Um, now based off of the name scent blocker and one of their, one of the company's main selling points is that, you know, it's supposed to, it's supposed to absorb your scent. Um, did you notice any type of, I guess, scent elimination benefits from using this product at all? You know, I'm probably not the best person to ask for that because I don't see a whole lot of deer around here. Okay. Um, the deer, the deer I do see usually end up getting shot or at least shot at, Mm -hmm. but around here, the deer are pretty heavily pressured. I'll tell you, um, I was on a, a draw hunt on a wildlife management area here. It was buck only. And I literally had a doe uh, walk under me, closest I've ever been to a deer. This is only my third year hunting. So okay. um, the doe literally stood under my tree stand for 45 minutes. And she never, I mean, she walked right up to where I was at. She never acted spooked. She never, I mean, and she was standing right where I walked to, you know, hang my stand and climb up the tree. Right. Never once acted spooky or anything. She was just hanging out eating acorns. And then an older doe came along and they kind of just moseyed off alone. So had a, you know, what looks like probably a year and a half to two year old doe. And then an obviously older one, you know, be, I mean, if I was sitting on the ground, I could have reached out and petted them. That's how close they were to my tree. Okay. So from, from a scent reduction type of, uh, you know, standpoint, inconclusive right i mean it's not like you could tell yeah. whether or not you had you had an, one encounter where it you may have you know gotten away with a little bit more than what you usually do but uh other than that not enough information to you know say like holy cow this product changes the way i hunt right it's not it's not right. like you're gonna you know go make stupid wind wind decisions just because you have the suit right yeah, and I think that's why it's inconclusive because I don't yeah. I don't re- rely solely on my clothing or anything else. I really just try to hunt as smart as I can. Yeah. And so the deer that I see, I would think wouldn't win me anyway, you yeah. know, or at least that's yeah. my goal. Okay. So as the season went on and uh, you really started uh, using and abusing your gear, did it hold up? Yes. Yeah, it held up really well. Um, you know, even from the deer that I harvested, um, having to clean their blood off of it and stuff, like you can't even tell that, that it was dirty. You can't tell. Like, I think I washed it twice during the season. And, uh, you know, and I walked through some pretty thick stuff, brush against branches, briars, all that stuff. And I've never had even a pick come out of the, the clothing or anything. It's been, been very resilient. And I'm, to say that I'm not easy on my gear would be a very accurate statement. Right. Yeah. I beat the shit out of my stuff too. Um, (laughs) so overall, uh, scent blocker, uh, would you recommend what you've purchased to other, other hunters? Absolutely. Even if you have to pay full price, I think it's, uh, I think it's worth it. They don't sell as many other options for the base layers and, and the mid layers and stuff. They do have some stuff, but not as much as some of the other companies, but, um, 
you know, I was able to piece together a layering system just going to other stores and stuff, and it and it worked right. really, really well. Okay, so uh, when the time comes, do you do you know uh, of any other scent blocker products that are on your radar that you're going to purchase? Man, not really. I don't. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of brand loyalty when it comes right. to that stuff. I mean, looking at what they've got. I'd love to see if there's a difference between the higher quality or at least more expensive base layers uh, and what I have. Okay. But you know, I don't I don't see myself dropping seventy or sixty bucks on a on a shirt anytime soon. Right. What did you get for uh, a merino wool base layer, if you don't mind me asking? Um, I don't know. Are we allowed to use names of big stores and stuff? Yeah, you can say whatever you want, dude. Okay. okay. <laughs> I went to all right. Well, all right. Um, so I went to REI. Okay. Uh, it's, it's an outdoor like camping yep. Uh, yep. and hippie store, you know. Um, they actually during the summer they put all the merino base layers on sale, yeah. and I got sure. just one of their store brand shirts. I think it was on sale for like twenty five or thirty bucks. Right. And it was you know they had like really lightweight, middleweight, and really heavyweight. And I got the the middleweight. Right. And uh, it's basically as advertised. You know, it's keeps you keeps you cool when you start sweating and really keeps you warm whenever it uh whenever it gets cold outside the thing i do regret is not getting a base layer for my bottoms um and i've just got like some regular thermal underwear like you get at walmart or something right. like that right and uh those those don't do nearly as well as um as the merino wool does on my right. on my upper extremities yeah, that's that's definitely my next purchase um, before the 2016 se- or 17 season starts is a pair of merino bottoms. Um, I don't really yep. know what what I'm going to purchase, but I, I will tell you that for all the listeners out there, if you're looking for merino or base layers that uh, and you're okay with not having it be uh, a hunting company, check out uh, REI. Check out um, uh, backcountry, check out steep and cheap, all these website sites that offer discounts for like hiking and backpacking gear. And it's basically the same product, just a different brand. And you can definitely save some money. Uh, that's for sure. Yep. Worked out well for me. So I second that. All right. So scent blocker, you'd recommend that to, uh, other hunters. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the next on my list, and uh, it's kind of funny uh, because I already know, like, we've we had this conversation before we started recording, but Wild Game Innovation Trail Cameras, um, why don't you go ahead and start off with, um, you know, why did you decide to purchase a Wild Game Trail Camera and uh, maybe talk about some of the other companies that you were looking at? you know, before you, you know, decided, Hey, I'm going to go with wild game. And I guess first off, what was, you know, also include in that maybe some talk of your budget, you know, what you, you had this much to spend. I looked at these companies and I ended up going with wild game. Yeah. So the budget was kind of the biggest thing uh, that played a factor in it for me. Um, so I really, I wanted to see, you know, if I get a, a pretty good quality camera for around hundred, 150 bucks. Okay. And so in shopping, you know, I actually, the first year I started hunting, I bought um, a stealth cam and was like relatively pleased with it. You know, I, I didn't know a whole lot about it. You know, I didn't know what a, a bad trail camera would do versus a good trail camera. Yep. 
So um, I was at, I think it was, a, I was at Gander Mountain one day and this, this Wild Game Innovations Razor camera was on sale. It was normally like, I think 150 bucks and they had it on sale for a hundred. Okay. And I thought, you know, it's, it's right in my price range, you know, I'm, like I'll give it a try. I read some online reviews. It kind of had mixed reviews, you know? Yep. So I thought, you know, I'll put it on a, on a, what appears to be, and it's on private land, by the way, but I, I put it on a, uh, I figured I put it on a trail that appeared to be well used and kind of get a picture of, of what's coming up and down the trail, see if it's, you know, deer, and, you know, try to, try to go from there. So that was kind of the, you know, the, the budget factor and, right. you know, the, what I was actually going to use it for were the two things that led me to it. So did you look at any other cameras before you decided to go with this wild game camera? Yeah, I looked at a uh, stealth cam cameras, um, yeah. and I looked at some Moultrie cameras. Okay, uh, and then I daydreamed over a few other ones that I knew I couldn't afford, and just kind of, yeah, you know, hoped and prayed they go on sale, but they never did uh, for okay. within my price range. So, so again, sealing the deal for this purchase was the fact that it was on sale, um, and you you felt that okay, I got it on sale. It's uh, that's a good enough reason for me to buy it. Got it on sale and had, um, ignorantly, I, I had seen it on TV a lot. So I thought, okay. you know, these, these guys are using it. It can't be horrible, you know. <laughs> okay. That's ignorance, uh, ignorance on my part. <laughs> that's all right, man. Hey, that's how they do it. That's how the, you know, these big companies, they, they market it to these, you know, these personalities, these inter- these hunting entertainers, so to speak. And uh, yep. a lot of people make their purchases based off of what uh, what they say. So don't feel bad about it. Um, so you put it out or, you know, you got it in the package. First impression when you opened it up. First impression when I opened it up, you know, it was it was a trail camera. You know, it, it was at least, you know, relatively close to the same right. color as the kind of trees I would more than likely put it on. Right. Um, looked like it would be really easy to set up really easy to operate so okay all right so you put it uh you found out where you wanted to put it you set it up um you left it i'm when i set up my trail cameras man i am really anal retentive i will sit there and dance in front of my trail camera until it takes some pictures then i even if the trail camera has worked flawlessly a hundred times in a row I want to make sure it takes pictures that time. So, you know, I'm dancing around in front of it, making sure it takes the pictures, go back in, make sure the picture was taken. Then I can turn it back on and leave. Did you have a good feeling about the camera after you set it up and walked away from it? You know, I did. And mainly because um, in Tennessee, you can put out uh, corn piles and mineral um, outside of hunting season. You're not allowed to hunt over it. Right. So, um, the, I was fortunate enough to get uh, permission to hunt on a private piece of property as well. And the guy that on the property said, if you put out corn, I guarantee the deer will come in. You know, I, again, I didn't know anything at the time. Right. So I felt good strictly from the standpoint of, well, I put out, you know, 40 pounds of corn. So I'm going to at least get pictures of raccoons and squirrels, you know? Right. right. And uh, <clears throat> I put it on a trail, you know, that appeared to be the things we're walking on. And so I thought, you know, this is going to be awesome. There's going to be like a, you know, damn Boone and Crockett buck walk by. I don't want to kill him the first day of low season. All because I bought this $100 Wild Game Innovation Stroke Camera. You know? That's right. 
All right. So you had it set out. How long? How long did you have it set out before you you before you went and checked it? About three weeks. Three weeks. All right. Three weeks passes. Yep. You go and, and check it and uh, talk to me about uh, you know what did the how did the camera function? Did it take good pictures? Explain explain that. Man, the entire bag of corn that I put out was gone, and I had like four pictures of um, coyotes at night standing in front of the camera. And that was it. Really? I did. I had zero pictures of anything eating the corn. Um, yeah, the pictures were high quality. It looked, you know, it was very clear that it was a coyote, but yeah, I, I had zero pictures of anything eating the corn, but it was obvious that something had been there because the corn was gone. Yeah. So, so when, on this corn pile, did you see deer prints? Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. were prints everywhere. Um, you know, it, I couldn't tell how many, but I mean, it was, it was obviously were deer, you know, and I, and I would assume raccoons too, now that I've hunted the property for a little bit, but yeah, yeah there were deer prints, uh, quite a few around it. Okay. So, so, and you didn't get, you didn't get hardly any pictures at all for three weeks. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Just pictures okay. of coyotes. Okay. So when something like that happens to me, I think, okay, I'm an idiot. What did I forget to do? Did I forget to, you know, go in and, and mess with the settings to get it set up properly? Um, did, did you go back when that happened? Did you go back into the settings to double check and go ahead and talk on how, you know, was it easy to work that camera from a, you know, from a setup standpoint? Yeah. The setup on the camera is very, very easy, very straightforward. Um, it's actually the easiest camera to set up that I own. Um, and yes, I automatically thought, well, I've screwed up, you know, um, I thought maybe I had the angle on the camera wrong or I just didn't have it set up right to begin with. So I confirmed that my settings were correct, confirmed that, you know, I wasn't a total idiot. You know, I I moved the camera to a different spot, um, and put it lower on the tree to see if that would do anything any different. Uh, and I had a little bit different results once I did that, but also, had to do with how close the the bait and mineral pile was to the camera okay. uh, compared to the first time that I used it. Now, did you feel that that was the first time was the bait pile too close or too far away? You think? I think it was too far away. Okay. At least okay. for this camera. Um, and how yeah, far is too, too far, far away? away? Man, I, I'll tell you what, I've not caught pictures of anything any farther than probably eight or 10 feet from the camera eight or 10 so, feet. Yeah. Like if I lay down with my feet at the, at the camera and yeah. stretch my arms above my head, that's about what I need to put the bait pile in order to get pictures of deer. So anything outside of that is a no go. Yeah. For this particular camera, I've never gotten pictures of anything any farther than that. Man, like my insides right now are starting to get angry because <laughs> because if I bought a trail camera and it functioned like that on my first or even second time using it, it would be launched into the timber and never to be found again. <laughs> yeah, that, that was tempting, but um, yeah. I didn't need a $100 rock to throw because I was right. angry. I, I could find free rocks in the woods, so <laughs> I just... Uh, <laughs> 
right. I, I adopt the camera to use in, in field, uh, you know, around field edges where I know the deer are going to be and they're not going to be freaked out by me having walked there. Right. So, right. All right. So, so the second time did you, you got, you said you got a little bit better results. I did. Yeah. Okay. And, and to be fair, I still use the camera to this day for that right. purpose, but right. it has very, very limited purposes for me to be able to use it. Okay. So, um, you got the bait a little bit closer or the corn pile a little bit closer to the, uh, camera. Um, and it, it, then at that point it seemed to be taking pictures, um, trigger speed good. I mean, were you getting, uh, like ass ends of deer trigger speed, good, all, all that kind of stuff. When it, um, it functions. If, if a deer, if a deer squirrel raccoon, anything walked within that distance of the camera, um, and the sensor happened to pick it up, it would not actually capture the animal. Um, the only pictures, and this is like the limitations of the camera. This is how I use it. I hang it over the bait pile with the expectation that I'm only going to get pictures of the deer after they've already arrived to the bait pile and are already eating. Okay. You know, so you're going to, you know, and I've got a setup where it'll take three pictures at a time, you know, or four, whatever it is on the setting. And, by the time it takes the first picture of the deer already has its nose into the corn. And you don't typically get a picture of the deer or the turkey, like walk up to the corn pile. Yep. The first picture of the animal is already there. Okay. And you typically, like if you get a picture of the animal leaving, it's like the camera just so happened to snap them walking off. Right. If, if anything's running through or anything like that, it might snap a picture, but it's, you know, like a ghost to set it off or you can't see anything. Right. Okay. Um, so knowing that this camera does not function like you wanted it to, how do you use it now? I use it strictly to hang over, um, a bait pile that I put like on a field edge. Okay. Um, and you know, I, I said, I hunt the mountains a lot. I've got one piece of private property that, you know, I've been fortunate enough to hunt some and I've learned it. And there's a kind of, I guess, a staging area where the deer will go at right. night Okay. Uh, primarily. And I really just kind of do it to take inventory to see how many uh, bucks are on the property, which bucks are on the property. And uh, if there are any fawns, how many happen to make it through the winter or how many does actually have fawns. Okay. All right. So it's for basically for inventory. Yeah, it's just inventory. That's really it. It doesn't help with any kind of recon right. um, for that I mean, camera. Would you, you trust this? It. Would you trust this camera over top of a scrape? Absolutely not. Okay. You know, I don't, you know, I, and I guess maybe that's just an experience on my part, but I don't know how long a deer is going to hang out in a scrape, you know, and if they did, you know, you know, I don't know. I, I just, I wouldn't put it in a, in a place that you don't want to be having to go back in a whole lot, you know, right. I, I solely use it over bait piles. Once I pull up my bait piles, you know, before hunting season starts, I, I take the camera home and I don't use it anymore. All right. What about battery life? Uh, battery life's actually okay on this camera. It's probably because it doesn't work for shit. But um, it's just, it doesn't ever use any of the batteries, you know, because it's never taking pictures. Not so. taking pictures. <laughs> That's funny. All right. Um, so I think I already know what you're going to say, but uh, A, would you would you recommend this? And B, would you ever buy it again, even if it was like $50? No and no. If you were okay. to give it to me, I would sell it and use the money to put towards a better one. Gotcha. All right. Well, there's that. So, 
Moving on to the next product, and we're going to go to the big game tree stand um, that you used. And it was this, is this, uh, this big game tree stand, uh, is big game a, a brand that you've used in the past, or is this kind of a new, a newer tree stand um, that, uh, that you just picked up? That was a new tree stand experience for me. Um, and it was actually an anniversary gift uh, from my wife yeah. that uh, that I picked out and purchased and had okay. it shipped to the house uh, from Amazon. Okay. And she did the same thing with her anniversary gift that year. So <laughs> she did a great job picking out my gift and I did a great job picking out hers. <laughs> so, you got exactly what you wanted. <laughs> exactly. She, she really knows how to keep me happy when it comes to tree stands. So. That's right. That's right. All right. So um, did you look uh, – what made you choose big game, this big game? And why don't you tell us what specific tree stand it was that you, uh, that you picked out? It's uh it's the big game bravada tree stand. Okay. Um, and the biggest thing I was looking for was I wanted a lock on stand that, um, I could use similar to your run and gun setup. Right. But I wanted one that was obviously I wanted it to be aluminum. And, uh, but I did want to have to spend the kind of money, um, that you would have to spend on like, um, Lone Wolf or the other more expensive, more well-known brands. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I actually was just looking on Amazon one day and this tree stand popped up is like 115 bucks okay. and the weight rating is enough to hold my, uh, to hold me platform is a good size seat is, uh, is actually very comfortable, uh, for a lock on stand. Right. And, uh, and it's like the cam buckles on it, uh, which, you know, you pair that with some climbing sticks and I don't know, just felt right. So, um, that's kind of, that's kind of why I got it. I think the weight, the, the stand itself, uh, let's see here. I think I took some notes. Yeah. The, the stand itself weighs 12 pounds in total. It comes with back, uh, backpack straps and all that stuff. So I wanted something to be able to use outside of my climber get into some of those more difficult trees and stuff. So that's why I went with it. Okay. Now, uh, what did you use? I mean, this is a hang on, right? So what did you use? It is. What did you pair that with for getting height? I mean, did you use sticks from the same company or what'd you use? The company sells some sticks that are actually meant to kind of make with, uh, that tree stand. Right. But, um, they're heavier and they only came with, I think three in a bundle. So when I was shopping around, Lone Wolf actually sells a, a bundle of four of their sticks together. Gotcha. And I wanted to have the opportunity to get as high as I possibly can in the tree. And, um, I think you've had a guest on before that had some hacks that you could do to the sticks yeah. where you, you hang different loops and stuff like that. I didn't really feel comfortable doing that. Yeah. So I just figured if I can get an extra stick in the pack, that that would probably get me, high enough that I would, I would feel better. Okay. So that's what I did. I got a pack of four lone wolf sticks and I can strap it onto this tree stand and walk in the woods. Be just fine. Okay. So from a positioning standpoint, right. Um, Oh, first off, what did you say you picked this up for a hundred bucks on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. 115 on Amazon. Okay. 115. And, um, you pick, you got some backpack straps to go with it. Uh, it, when you collapse it down and you strap your, 
uh, lone wolf sticks to this. Um, did it pack down f- fairly light? Was it easy to um, carry around? Yeah, yeah, it's very easy to carry around. You know, I still struggle with trying to figure out how to get my backpack on there. Right. Because the lone wolf sticks, they, they actually kind of stick out really far from the stand. Yeah. So um, I'm still, I'm able to make it work, but. Yeah, it packs down. It packs in really well. It doesn't make any noise. Uh, the tree stand itself actually has a little uh, canvas bag with a drawstring on it. Okay, you can stick the, the straps from the stand itself kind of down into. Right, and then I just I put a bungee cord around it to keep it from banging against uh, the stand as I'm walking in the woods. But yeah, gotcha. it's, it's light, packs well. The sticks don't move when you're walking in the woods or any of that stuff. All right. So now from a you know. You, you get to the bottom of the tree, you start your ascent. What about when you get to the, the time where you need to hang this hang on up top? I mean, is it, is it easy to, is it easy to hang? I mean, are you able to maybe hang it uh, a little bit on a, a crooked tree or does this, is this a stand that has to be on a straight up and down tree? No, that's actually another thing that I like about it. You can, it's very light, obviously. Um, it's very quiet. I've never had the stand make any kind of noise. And, you know, I've left it out for an entire season. Yeah. And when you go to stand up and lift the seat, there's not a sound, you know. Okay. Uh, as far as the, the kind of tree you can hang it on, the platform and the seat both have the ability, like the, the platform has the cables that come off and go onto the center post of the stand. Yep. Well, that center post has notches in it, and there's um, handles that, that that cable is attached to, and you can adjust where those handles are and the different notches on that center post yep. to adjust the angle of the platform, if that makes any sense to you. Right. Now, so, can, you, can you do that while you're you know, 15, 20 feet up in the, the stand, or is that something that you have to do when you're down at the bottom? Now you can do it. Like um, I always do it. You know, I hang the stand on the tree. And uh, just kind of take a look at it while I'm on the climbing right. sticks with, you know, with my lineman's belt wrapped around the tree. Right. I'll just adjust the platform and the seat. You can adjust the seat while you're in the tree stand. That's no problem. Okay. But obviously you can't be standing on the platform and adjust that. But you could, I guess, if you're sitting on the seat and you wanted to lift it up. Right. But I always just do it while I'm on the sticks. So right. you just kind of lift the front of the platform up, adjust where the cable is and set it down. Okay. What about left and right angles? I mean, obviously leaning forward and leaning back, you can adjust uh, the level, but, but is this, and I hate to keep, you know, comparing everything to a lone wolf, but you know, the the lone wolf has the bracket, the V bracket, which allows you to, um, you know, slide it over. So if the tree is crooked, you can use the further, you know, if it's leaning, if you're looking at a tree and it's leaning to the right, you can use the, the, the last two um, clamps or whatever, the, the two fangs or whatever that touch the tree, you just slide it over. And that's what makes contact with the tree, allowing the tree stand to go to be straight up and down. Um, does, does this stand have that capability too, or is it going to be crooked? You, you know, that's interesting. I, I didn't even know long tree stands would do that, but no, I mean, it's, it's pretty well set. Like the, the platform just has a bolt that goes straight through that center post. Yeah. So the platform will only raise up and down on one angle. You can't adjust that angle. Okay. 
So does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Okay, cool. Um, so, you know, I've been in some tree stands where, and I know a lot of it has to do with it being strapped to the tree tight and, and right. And it can feel secure, but I've also been in some tree stands where there's some give, there's some play, you know, it's, it's, I, I probably wouldn't sit in this tree stand, uh, if it was really windy, you know, so, something like that, or uh, yeah. did did you feel sturdy when this tree stand was set up? Did you feel safe and secure in it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, it actually is probably, it's my favorite tree stand to hunt out of. Um, and it, it does feel very, very secure. The other lock-ons that I have, I typically hang them at the beginning of the year on uh, over acorn flats or something like that. Right. And I just leave them. They have one big, like, seatbelt-looking strap on them. Right. And they don't really move, but as the year goes on, like, you kind of need to retighten that strap and adjust uh, adjust the stand. Right. With this stand, it's got two straps on it. I've never I've never felt insecure in that stand as much okay. as I've hunted out of it. Cool. Cool. And what is the strap? Is it a ratchet strap? No, it's like the cam buckle strap. Okay. So okay. It's, it's silent. You basically wrap it around the tree and... Just uh, give it hell and get it as tight as you can. And then, yeah. you know, do that with the platform up. And when you fold the platform down, that's what tightens it all up. Yep, for sure. For sure. So from a from a safety and secure standpoint, uh, pretty good? Feel safe and secure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm locked in from the time I leave the ground. But right. I've never felt like I was going to need to make that phone call to have someone bring a ladder to get me out of a tree or anything. Right now, you also mentioned that uh, you've had this one of these stands in a tree for an entire year, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that when one you... actually I hung it um, at the end of bow season here in in Tennessee, and it's still in the woods right now. And you'll get it this weekend. Okay. So it hasn't been a full year, right? You haven't you haven't gone and uh, left it throughout the entire summer, and then came back and, and hunted it again. Right. No, I, uh, last year I hung it at the beginning of, uh, hunting season. I hung it like the third Saturday in September. Right. That's when our season opens. And I picked it up, I think like in mid February. Gotcha. And then this year I, I left it at home until the end of both season and I hung it up for muzzle loader and rifle. And okay. it's been out there ever since. So. so is this a run and gun set for you or is this kind of like a semi run and gun? You, You'll okay. go and you leave it up, or is it something that you put up and take down every time? I got it with the uh, intention of using it as a running gun right. set, um, and I can very much use it as that. But um, I think I've only moved it during the hunt probably three times. Gotcha. And that's that's more because I'm not very efficient at taking it down and putting it up quietly. Right, okay. You know, I think if, if it's possible for me to smash my finger and cuss a lot while I'm, you know, trying to pull the thing down, it's going to happen and I'm going to make a bunch of noise. So yeah, that's definitely one of those things that takes time. I I remember the first time I started using, you know, climbing sticks and hang ons. It it looked like, Oh man, if, if they were recording it, it would, I would have won the hundred thousand dollar prize on uh, America's funniest home videos. I bet you it took me 30 (laughs) minutes to put that, that sucker up. 
Yeah, I do that and I sweat like a pig. You know what I mean? <laughs> Amen. I, 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 you know, I watch the YouTube videos, these guys doing it, and it's done in like four minutes. And I'm like, I mean, it's easy. You know, right. it's not that easy. <laughs> right, right. Cool. Well, um, would you recommend this uh, this tree stand to other hunters? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. All right. So um, the last product, we got some time left, and this is another product that I'm not familiar with, and it is the Hazemore Seat for a, mm-hmm. for a tree stand. Why don't you explain what a Hazemore Seat is? So, you know – around here a lot of people use traditional climbing stands um and the stand that i had uh was is a summit uh cobra it's it's an older version but they come with this this padded um cloth seat it's camouflaged and all that stuff but the way it's almost like a swing style seat so the sidebars on the top section of the stand um the stand or the seat itself has canvas straps to wrap around those sidebars okay and then it has a back on it that you can strap around the tree, you know, I guess to keep your back from actually touching the tree. The, that particular seat causes you to kind of sit lower in the stand. Okay. Uh, it also takes a little bit of effort to kind of fold it up against the tree. If you wanted to stand up um, on the platform of your stand. Right. Well, this, this has more or has more. I'm not exactly sure how you say it, but this, it's a webbing like sling style seat that goes in between the two bars and um, you sit on it and it's, it's actually, it elevates you higher um, than the, the original stock or original seat in the tree stand. Yep. And uh, it's, I love it. It's very comfortable, very light. It makes packing the stand a whole lot easier, a whole lot more quiet because you don't have the plastic buckles uh, for the top section of the stand kind of banging against the stand as you're, packing up or, or getting to the base of your tree. Right. What, what did that cost you? Uh, right at like, I think it's $23 okay. uh, for the seat. $23 for the seat. Um, and then is it, you know, I'm, I'm on their website right now. I just exactly pulled it up and, um, let me pull up this right here. It, I mean, it just looks like basketball net, like from the picture yeah. that, that I'm looking at. Is it um, is it going to hold up for several seasons, or is this something that you think is going to need to be replaced? You know, for twenty three dollars, I buy products for twenty three dollars every year. You know, it's it's almost yeah. like I I have a, a certain budget, and I'm a I'm a sucker for screwing hooks just because I'm a dumbass and I leave them in the tree. You know, when I'm tearing down, I forget, <laughs> yeah. to, forget to take them down, and I just know every year I'm gonna probably blow twenty to thirty bucks on screwing you know screwing hangers you know for the bow and whatnot, but uh, yeah, or for my pack. Is this a product that's that's gonna need to be replaced? every couple of years or is this something that's going to last you for a while? You know, all the reviews I read on it and stuff said that it, it does last for, for quite a while. Okay. Um, the, the webbing is, I guess it's, it's coated or made out of something that's not supposed to dry rot. I got gotcha. you. You know, if, if that makes any sense. So, yep. you know, if it were me, you know, I, I put it on there. This is the first season I, I used it. Um, I'll probably use it next season and kind of see how the webbing feels. Right. And, you know, like you said, for 23 bucks, if I need to replace it again, I'm only out $23 and 10 minutes of my time to put it on the tree stand. 
right? So I don't, I don't really, even if I do, even if I did have to replace it every year, I wouldn't mind, but I don't think it needs to be replaced every year. Okay, cool. Cool. So, I mean, when you're sitting on it all day long, I mean, is it, is it comfortable? Yeah, it's very comfortable. Uh, the biggest adjustment I had to make was I was used to having that top section of my tree stand a lot higher right. whenever I got set up because of that, the old seat kind of hung down so much lower than that platform. That seat will sit your butt just about even with the bars, uh, the crossbars on your, on your top section. So it has to, it has to come down lower, which right. actually for me makes it easier to make a, a shot with my bow because there's, fewer things to get in my way when it happens. Right. Now, is that adjustable? I mean, could you, can you adjust that um, that slack or adjust where those bars are on your climber? So, you know, for a taller guy, they don't want to sit all day long with their knees above their hips, if that makes sense? Yeah. Now, the, the, the webbing basically fits on there very tight. Okay. Uh, that was my experience with it. Now, I mean, for a taller guy, you just move the top section of the tree stand up and gotcha. and you're good. Gotcha. You know, I'm just, I'm not an overly tall person. So if I, if I put it in the exact same place that I would put it with my old seat, I'm like a little kid sitting in his dad's chair. My feet were kind of not touching the platform and I was kicking them back and forth, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So this is currently on your climber. It is. All right. Do they make, do they make any type of uh tree stands, like a tree stand seats for hang ons? Uh, you know, I don't know. Um, it would surprise me if they did, just right. because the way that that net's designed, it needs two bars kind of running parallel in order to hook to. Right, right. So it just so comes most, in most the most net, right? Don't have that. Yeah, it's just the net. It comes yeah. in the net, and then some strings to tie the net together with. Um, I didn't really trust those, so I put I tied the knots on the strings, used a lighter to kind of burn them together, and then also put some zip ties along that as well. Um, just kind of from my own peace of mind. Right. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So for, for those guys who are using a climber, would you recommend this, this product for them to? Absolutely. Perfect. Oh yeah, absolutely. Cuts down on the amount of time it takes for me to unpack my stand. It cuts down on the amount of time it takes for me to pack it back up. Uh, it's quieter. It's, uh, it's probably the best accessory I've bought for my, for any of my tree stands. Okay. Um, so far, what uh, what do you use more your uh, your big game stand or your climber? I use my climber more uh, because I can get higher up. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. I'll get twenty five, twenty eight, thirty feet in a tree uh, with that thing to hunt over a clear cut or a thicket. Okay. And that's actually um, the two deer that I harvested this year. I harvested out of the climber, and I was really high in the tree right okay cool 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 well mr matt smith man i really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh um you know come on the podcast and do these do these product reviews for us hopefully uh the listeners got some uh good info from you on whether or not to uh take a look at some of the products that you did review so uh thank you very much i appreciate you dan Matt Smith, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and sharing those reviews with us. Really appreciate your time and energy for that. Huge shout out to each and every one of you who has 
taking the time to download this podcast and uh, you know show your support. I really, really, really appreciate that. Big, big thanks to Exodus Outdoor Gear, Exodus Trail Cameras, and DeerLab.com. Thank you very much for your support there. And uh, other than that, please go visit me on Facebook. I I had a brain fart there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, remember to go to iTunes and leave a review if you're happy with this podcast. Again, hopefully everybody has a great rest of their week. And remember, if you're in a tree, wear your damn safety harness.